When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I hope you're having a great Saturday. I'm sure the lakes are crowded. Everybody's having some fun. I love that. I do take Memorial Day very seriously. It's very heartbreaking to think of all the people who died that in that terrible war. Uh, but it was deliberately, from what I read, deliberately established at the beginning of the summer to, uh, to cheer people up so that it wouldn't be too sad a memory because it was so traumatic for the country, North and South. So remember that. Um, and to further cheer us up... Uh, uh, Binkley has a great tweet for me. First, I want to throw out the number. I'm talking about anything that uh, I want to give libertarian solutions to the problems we are facing today. So anything in the news that you want to know the answer to or want to give me the answer to, I'm open to it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Alan called before the break, wanted to talk about, you know, but who would pay for the roads, the infrastructure? I've got a lot to say about that, and I am going to get to that. But first, uh, Binkley at, at one of the breaks, just the break before this said, uh, read me a tweet that I wish he had surprised me with on the air because it was super fun. Um, and, uh, and I got it right. So, <laughs> but I'm going to still, I, I'll just uh, throw that out there. So Binkley, what's, what's that great tweet? Johnny Cook tweeted this and he said they used to have a congressional baseball game between the GOP and the Democrats. And he's right. It started in, I believe, 1909 and it's still going on. And he asked, who is the person to hit the first over-the-fence home run in the game's history? And you got it correct. Yeah. So I just uh, I sat back and thought I didn't think it had anything to do with me or my preferences or anything. I, went, I thought at first it was sentence, but then I remembered who was the most athletic congressman. First, I thought John Glenn, but he was a senator. And he was an astronaut. I don't know how athletic he has to be to be an astronaut. And I thought, who was the most athletic congressman I ever heard of? And it was Ron Paul. That's right. And that was the guy. So Ron Paul, people don't realize, I think he was not only a baseball star, I think he had maybe other athletic achievements, but he was... Uh, a great baseball player in college. He was a doctor. He signed up. I don't think even he was drafted. I think he went twice to Vietnam. What was it? That where he went? He, uh, yeah, he was, he's a solid citizen, that guy. And I uh, gave up all his uh, wonderful gifts to, to uh, trudge around in the swamp. And he did it. <laughs> he did it in response to Nixon closing the gold window. A Republican, by the way. So you, you got to remember 
the partisanship uh, is is what the swamp is actually made of. So I want to do. I do want to get to a call before we launch into our next headline. I'm going to Adam in Gainesville. Hi, Adam. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. It's nice to speak to you. I've been listening to you for a little while. I wanted to get your opinion um, because, well, first of all, I'm trying to formulate my opinion of what kind of what type of a political view I truly have. I voted for Trump. I feel like I may have a conservative view. I may lean that way. But I also have a lot of libertarian views as well. I agree with you a lot. Sometimes I disagree. <laughs> That's but always also, true. But the, the subject of matter that we're speaking of at the moment, uh, it, it reminded me of an issue, of an opinion I've got. And that is that I believe at its root that foreign aid is designed to disable an economy. And if you would like for me to expand on that, I can. Uh, yeah, give it to I me. Have, and a nu- I have opinions on that, too, and uh, some support for your theory. Give it to me in a nutshell, like one or two sentences, if you can. And okay, then we'll keep talking. Of, I've got a couple of friends who are in a missionary. They go down to El Salvador every year. They dig latrine holes for them. They bring food down there to them. Why can't they grow their own food? Why can't they dig their own, you know, latrine holes? Uh, I mean, why in the world are we doing this for them? And I believe it's because it's designed to keep them from doing it for themselves so that they become dependent on the foreign aid so that they can't, they, so it'll ruin their economy. So they won't have a farming economy. And so they won't have a construction economy. Yeah, I have a couple of America. I have a couple of points, um, data points for you or whatever um, anecdotes for you that'll support that. One is a book I spent a lot of money on. Sometimes these highly academic books, oh my gosh, they they break the bank. You really got to watch the price. It's called Africa Unchained. And of all people, I heard Bono promoting it, who is like a uber liberal or like he's a communist, basically. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm wrong, but. And he said that he talked to this African professor, I think it was, who wrote this book. And the guy said, just stop with the foreign aid. What it does is it brings in money that only the politically connected really access. And that crowds out the mom and pop entrepreneurs who just want to scratch out a living by selling conch on the beach. Or I guess that would be Caribbean. But, you know, they just they crowd that out. And and so it is actually bad. And then if you hear some African would-be entrepreneurs who've come to this country, they say that the corruption, and and maybe it's related to that, the fact that these entrenched interests are the ones who are getting all the money, they make sure that there are licensing and regulations and everything that make it really impossible for somebody to just scratch out a living the hard way to build up a business. You actually have to start out with money, and who's getting money? The foreign aid. (laughs) Then I had one more thing that really opened my eyes. I was in an Uber not too long ago. You get the best, best information from Uber drivers. The guy was Ethiopian. And I said, whoa, I, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, the Ethiopian famine, you know, like flies were landing on babies' eyeballs and they weren't even blinking, you know, like those, those, those crazy ads that you saw just like broke your heart and all that. And he said, yeah, that was totally exaggerated, which I was like, what? So I guess there might have been a famine, whatever, but he said it was exaggerated. And what they did was it created this whole like industry in Ethiopia for all this aid. And what happens is the Americans come, they set up shop and they don't. This is what he said. Now, I haven't verified it, but he said they don't aid you. They don't aid people at all. What they do is they find locals who are willing to act for them in lobbying or promoting American policies or whatever the policies that 
that America wants that country to adopt, those are the people they finance with this aid. So so it just it's simply a subversive way. And then I also read a statistic that uh, that our foreign aid to other countries it makes our popularity go backwards. So at like if you look at a statistic of like world opinion of the U.S. versus mm-hmm. how much foreign aid we've given, it's like across lines. So, like as we give more aid, people hate us more, which it, is not probably not an accident. It, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, your your turn, Adam. Believe it or not, you oh, do get another you. turn. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, while you were saying that, it, it actually made me think. Why in the world do they hate us in other countries? And also, why in the world would there be these 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 uh, militia groups that just spring up out of nowhere out of these countries? And I believe the why, the reason why they're stealing these airdrop foods and all this uh, aid and why they're running off the aid is because they're doing it as a patriotic act on behalf of their country because they love their country. Or we're Rather, supporting the warlords. Or that we support some of those yeah. factions. Think of the rebels that we've supported over the years. You don't, you, we call them anti-communists, but who knows if they were just, you know, maybe not even in Africa, but like when we did it in South America, uh, they were, they might have been bad guys, you know? What do we know? Wow, that, that actually explains a lot. Because I was thinking, why these revolutionaries that spring up in these pods only in the other countries, why in the world are they, why in the world are they stealing the food from their own people? Yes, and yes. the only reason why they would be stealing their own food, in my opinion, in my mind, the only way I can deduce this to make any sense is because why would I do it? It would be because I love my family, I love my country, I love my people, and if I would steal their food, I'd have to have a reason for it. And yep. the reason would be because it's stealing their ability to make their own livelihood. Or, or maybe they, they feel that the, what's coming in is hostile. So like when you look at Egypt and maybe Israel too, but like some of the aid we give, I know to Egypt, we give it in the form of like vouchers for military equipment. It's, it's, you know, it's not actually even money or food or anything. It's you're giving them vouchers for military equipment uh, and, or, or the, yeah, it's like that. And, and their military, they use against their own people. So it's they don't have it like we have, where they can't turn it in. They they turn it in when Morsi, the democratically elected leader, like him or not, who's Muslim Brotherhood, and I think we did support him for a while in Egypt when when he wasn't doing what we wanted or whatever. Susan Rice, her first act as I guess she was national security advisor, her first act was to trigger that coup. There was a tweet or something came out of a meeting that said, you know. Aunt Susan says go, something crazy like that. I did a whole show on it at the time. But then Sisi came in and he uh, killed a lot of people who resented having a coup, a military coup to replace a democratic government. And we give Sisi the arms to suppress those people. So if at the same time we're trying to give them food to win over the hearts and minds, maybe they're like, you know what, just get out. Because we have the Suez Canal, and we could just live without you, you know? So they, they it's, uh, that opens a whole nother can of worms. I think we're going to have to wait on that. So we do have a little bit, uh, another headline. And then at the bottom of the hour, Binkley did some research on John Ossoff, which went totally deep state. I thought that was so interesting. Mm-hmm. So way to make the District 6 election not only national, but kind of global Thank you, Binkley. So we'll get to that at the end, uh, at the bottom of the hour. 404 
1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi, today of 87. Tomorrow's high is also 87. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And this is my favorite time of the show because I have a weekend prize pack. Uh, a pair of tickets to see Paul Simon on June 2nd at Chastain Park Amphitheater and a pair of Saturday tasting tent tickets to the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival June 1st to 4th at Piedmont Park's Promenade. First to call 404-7410-750 gets that prize pack. And uh, we are teeing up some, I'm going to say some deep state stuff about the District 6 race, which I think voting starts, um, Binkley's going to help me with this, I think voting starts, I think you can do early voting on Tuesday, and then the election is June 20th, correct me if I'm wrong, and then the... Uh, I did post on my Facebook page, you've heard before, Garland Favorito, he does VoterGA.org. He really just cares about uh, integrity in the voting process and other kind of laws and procedures. And he holds, it's really awesome. Like there was a recent battle that I think he led against permanent toll roads on um, in Georgia. Just a lot of stuff that he does. I don't even really actually know his political affiliation. He just holds the feet to the fire the way uh, people should. I really admire him. And um, he knows a lot about voting. So I reposted something that he had posted on the Facebook page for VoterGA.org about uh had a the bet the best way to have your vote counted i thought he said was paper ballots um and early voting so if you want to check that out on his facebook or mine um but this is the big runoff between john ossoff and karen handel it's a national race because um well the hashtag on twitter is flip the sixth and for me in my opinion it's it's part of this effort, especially in the South, to flip red states or red counties, whatever, blue. That that I've, I've I feared that the whole meaning of Trump was to spur a massive backlash, and that what we're seeing in these congressional races represents that. But there is some overlap between Trump and Ossoff, and that's infrastructure, which is what we were talking about earlier. And we're gonna. Um, Talk a little bit about that and other stuff Binkley dug up about Ossoff, which I think, um, you know, whether you like him or not, it's kind of intriguing. So let's get into that after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. And usually that means I can rise above partisanship. Um, That's not always a totally cheerful or productive thing to do because it's not like, oh, this time I like Democrats, this time I like Republicans. I never like Democrats, and I rarely like Republicans. So it's usually pretty negative. But today I did try very hard to offer libertarian solutions to the problems of the day. And I can do that because I do not feel compelled to support one party or another, lest the other party win. They're both uh, out for themselves, and I, they do not really work for us, although I do want to try to hold their feet to the fire when I can. 
Um, and for me, I'm always looking for the kind of deeper uh, machinations that are happening behind what we're seeing. So uh, with Trump, there was something, you know, I had a lot of reasons. If you listen to my show, you've heard them all a thousand times, so I won't go back over it. But that I just felt like th- this guy was not what he appeared to be, that there's some he's serving some other purpose. And uh, and one of the possibilities in my mind is that he is there to create a backlash, to create a reaction that globalism was actually losing steam and especially in Europe. But if he could get people scared like Nazis were coming back or something, I don't think he's a Nazi. I totally am not of that mind at all. But I just like the way he is framed in the media might scare people into wanting a world government or something. You know, it's just a thought. And a part of that theory would be, and maybe it wasn't a plot, but just the opportunity the Democrats see of how valuable it is to absolutely hate somebody that maybe they could turn red states blue and i feel like the south has been absolutely in the crosshairs i think the confederate flag thing and taking these these um statues down was a plot from the beginning uh i'm not a racist i don't i I don't look at it that way i just think that the whole point of it was to uh kind of neuter the history of the south um and that they are. I, I noticed North Carolina was squarely in the crosshairs. That they continue to be in the news, um, and that the point of it all is to get what really is, you know, kind of the last geographic bastion of republicanism to to turn Democrat, either in one fell swoop or little by little. So the sixth district, where Tom Price went to be the uh, health and human services head in D.C., he left open this position where. Now, it's a battle between John Ossoff and Karen Handel, who um, emerged from the first election as the two for the runoff on June 20th. Uh, So the whole country, it seems like Democrats have been converging on on Georgia to get John Ossoff elected. Celebrities, people who are definitely not living in the 6th District. Ossoff doesn't even live in the 6th District, I think. So... Binkley, who has a particular, my producer here, has a particular knack I, I find the deep state stuff, you know, at the uh, global level. I mean, if there are aliens, you know, lizard people, I'll probably <laughs> discover them eventually. But Binkley likes to dig into the local stuff so he can find deep state connections. I do like the U.N. Kasim Reed connections in Atlanta. I have dug into some of that stuff myself. But Binkley found some stuff on Ossoff that I hadn't, I didn't know about. And I think what he came up with really makes me think that the impression this guy is giving this this liberal left hero the savior (laughs) is is completely misleading like it's the opposite of what's really going on so binkley why don't you give us some of the little things that you found that you think are significant in understanding uh you know the true nature of this campaign if it's really reflective of who this guy is and what we can expect from him tell me okay there are so many i've only oh, selected so five many. here i've yeah. selected right. five claims and the reality so i haven't heard them all but i'll uh, give me what you got right. the first one the first claim is that john ossoff is a small business owner an executive and an entrepreneur an investigative filmmaker who exposes corruption he knows what it means to grow a company and payroll and budget 
budgets and stuff, given the perception that he's overcome the struggles of entrepreneurship and succeeded, right? Okay, yeah, but let me just say, uh, even when I look at Jared Kushner, he's like, oh, trusted advisor, you know, real estate mogul from New York. You're like, really? I mean, it's just looking at your face makes that hard to believe because they're too young. They're too young. So Exactly. So it always smelled a little funny to me uh, anyway. So tell me what you what you so so the bottom line, what you're saying is he is being represented as a small business guy, an entrepreneur, and uh, and what do you what do you think instead? Well the reality is that when he graduated the London School from the London School of Economics in 2013, that very same year, he became the managing partner and CEO of Insight, a documentary film company. So he immediately became the CEO of this company. Okay, listen, I have a question. First of all, LSE, the London School of Economics, is the it's like the dark hole of the deep state. Yeah. It's where George Soros learned how to manipulate the world, and I think they gave him the keys to make a lot of money so he could manipulate the world, not teaching him how to make, but get him to make the money. So LSE always throws up a flag. So this guy went to LSE. So did his mom. Another fun fact. Okay, so did his mom. So he's a legacy LSE, but this is a local guy, right? Well, you know, technically he's a local guy. Technically, okay. So his accent, the way he speaks seems right to you. He didn't have to unlearn it, you know, like (laughs) to learn how to speak American. Um, So what is this Insight company that he became the CEO of day one of a, was it an existing company? It it was a company that was already established, existing and successful, having won many Emmys that had been around since 1991. And he became the CEO day, the day he joined, he was the CEO. Right after he graduated. Had he ever been a CEO before? No, he had, he had not been a CEO before, to my knowledge. And was he in the film business? No, as far as I know, he didn't study any film in between all of that knowledge, all of that information at uh, the London School of Economics, but he okay. immediately becomes a grungy filmmaker, apparently. Okay, all what right. So, and out, it was it documentary films? Is that what you said? Yes, documentary films exposing corruption. Now, that I had heard that he was a documentary filmmaker. Yeah. And for me, you know, anybody who has seen Michael Moore's films or any of that, when I hear documentary filmmaker, and, I, and I'm always skewed, like if it's from the left, I'm just like, propaganda. Right. If it's from the right, I'm like, really? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm wrong about that. Like, honestly, like I, I it's it's on both sides for sure. But I just have such I, I just want to believe the lies that appeal to me that yeah, I, yeah. I do turn to the right and think that they have maybe have some merit. <laughs> but the ones on the left, are just like complete, complete, uh, total propaganda. Yeah. Okay. So as opposed to being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur that built a business, he bought ownership into this already established and successful company. He bought 50% ownership with the inheritance that he got from his grandfather. So he hadn't made money as an entrepreneur and then rolled it over into this company. No. Like the the way like a tech guy might buy a winery. Right, no. Okay. He just bought it. With Called himself the boss. Gave him. Fair enough. Yeah, so that that's his... That's his uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I can relate and help build build business in it. See, I, I would make that kind of argument. Uh, a, you know, I would not make that argument. But people have made that argument about Trump. But he legitimately expanded his... Fo- well, I wouldn't say legitimately. I think there's a lot of politics and back office stuff. But I'm just saying, like, whatever the wheeling and dealing it took to be a real estate guy in New York, Trump definitely was that. Yeah, this guy bought an Emmy award-winning company <laughs> okay. already. And then put the Emmy on his Yeah, desk. and then said he was an entrepreneur. <laughs> Puts the Emmy in the commercial. Right. Okay. So, all right. The, the next claim also associated with this company is that, um, you know, is that his experience is going to help create jobs in Atlanta because of this experience he has uh, growing this company, you know. But 
the problem is did he sorry I, you probably don't know this but if you interview people for like big jobs like that you actually want to know the revenue growth the job growth that they you know they should say i created you know i this company grew 10 times its original size in the two years I ran There's it. There's no details in Got campaigns it. going <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I know. Sorry, my investment banking nervous right. is coming out. I'll stop. You so go. the reality is that this company is located in the United Kingdom. So he's bringing jobs to the United Kingdom, simulating their economy. He is not doing that here. He could be doing that right now here. Right, but instead he's promising to do it instead? He's promising to do it even though oh. he's not doing it right and now. And actually he might though because... Uh, our government is spending, you know, doing all sorts of things to get films made here. Like they're subsidizing that industry in Atlanta. Now he's talking about a federal. His office. films aren't getting made here. The ones that I, yeah, right, okay. because they're taking. <laughs> and place he's an in, executive like, producer on those films. War torn Syria. Yeah. yeah. Just oh, things you put money producer. into. Yeah, yeah, you're not a filmmaker when you're yeah. an executive producer. You're, you put you put money into the films. Yeah, you're the money guy. Right. Actually, the investment bankers I knew who used to do that. It was a little. I, vulgarity entered my mind they did it because they wanted to meet starlets well that is a good reason to do it, if you're gonna do it. <laughs> that's why my cousin became a hairdresser <laughs> oh my gosh to meet women, brilliant. not starlets i thought it was a clever idea uh anyway so um i money guys in film aren't always film guys right in film. another interesting fact about his business yeah. is that in the same year 2013 when he bought the business his dad established a nonprofit foundation with an Atlanta address called uh, The World Investigates and connected it to this company that he bought in the United Kingdom, creating the illusion that he oh, might be an Atlanta business here. owner. Right. What year was that? 2013. Oh, not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, this a seat like this might have been a sparkle in their eye. One of he, 16... This was four years ago. How? When did he work for? When did Ossoff work for Hank Johnson? He worked for Hank Johnson between the ages of twenty and twenty-five. That's another. That's wow. on my list. That's also. where he had he had highest level security clearance at the age of twenty. Because didn't he say he had five years of high level security clearance? That's when what. He for see, Hank people Johnson? think that the way that he presents the information, it makes it sound like. He had five years of experience. He doesn't overtly say five years so that he can give himself protection when somebody okay. accuses him of lying, but he frames <laughs> it in a way. This is exactly what happened. with the, um, Somebody called him out on it, and he said it, that he didn't lie because he didn't um, actually say it. Oh, so he is a talent. He is obviously qualified for this job. Here, here's what he <laughs> He's says. He's a good yeah. liar. No, he didn't lie. He's a, what do you call it, prevaricator? I don't know. Yeah, he said, I, He's he said, a fudger. I've got five years of experience as a national security staffer in the United States Congress. I held a national security clearance. That's what he said. Okay, okay, sorry. Yes. The no. reality is he had five months of security clearance, right? And the reason that he got clearance was not because he was fighting corruption, you know, pulling mm -hmm. from his uh, business. He wants to get, create the illusion that he fights corruption. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that he got security clearance is because he wasn't able to go into these briefings with his boss, Hank Johnson. Oh, so in order to uh, take notes for his Hank's boss, wake, right. well, Hank does need somebody sitting right next to him to write, like, this is what you say next, unless right. he say something crazy like Guam might tip over. Not to ride the guy, I'm sure he's been ridden plenty on that, but you want him to have somebody sitting right next to him just in case he has a silly idea like that. So, um, 
I hate to do this to you. I've got to take a break. So do you have, like, what is, is there um, something you just don't want to leave on the table here? Yeah, is there anything that you, you need to, Here's what's your last? Uh, there's part? one about his mom and his dad here. He claims that in Congress he's going to simplify the tax burden, you know, mm-hmm. simplify the tax code. And the problem is his dad's company makes money by teaching corporations how to maximize their operations through the tax code. So, oh, so the complicated it. tax code, like accountants, I always think accountants don't want to simplify tax exactly. code because their entire, you know, I always think divorce attorneys are behind the gay marriage push. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So they want the complications, and that's what you think is really, you think there, there's a conflict of interest there, or it's unlikely he Absolutely. would stab his dad in the back. I mean, it would totally undermine his father's business if he simplified the tax yeah, code. That's very interesting. I got to take a break, but we're going to wrap it up after this. Stay tuned. Uh, tweet me at. Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Mostly to partly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers or thunderstorms and a high of 84 Monday. Uh, Well, I normally say it says the work week begins, but that's Memorial Day. So a lot of people have awe, but that forecast could change over the weekend. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. So we're wrapping it up. Such an interesting uh, conversation. Binkley gave me lots of good stuff about Ossoff. And I I noticed that one of the articles I looked at this week was about Blackstone, a big private investment company, started a $100 billion fund to take advantage of new infrastructure spending. And by coincidence, I used to work for the guy who runs Blackstone, and he's a big Democrat. He was a big Obama donor. He might have been Treasury Secretary under Clinton if she had won. And he wasn't that way because he was super altruistic. I'm sure he gave to charity and all that. But people think that, uh, you know, Democrats are like motivated by this altruism. A lot of times they're not. A lot of times they have reasons to want big government because they are going to get put their hand in the pot. I don't know. Binkley, you gave us a lot of stuff about Ossoff um, and some of his family's business dealings. Maybe that bears digging into a little more but we are out of time so so you have more on this right how are you going to give it to us well everybody can go to propagandareportdaily.com and they can yes. listen to the most recent podcast we did I yes we it's... did that that's when you kind of data dumped all of this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah it's a lot of stuff um okay so propagandareportdaily.com listen to the latest podcast subscribe and all that right. and are you going to put pen to paper? Yes, I'm going to be publishing a lot of stuff about this in the next few days since the election is coming up. Okay, that's great. It is coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week. In the meanwhile, check me out on Facebook, and we continue this conversation on Twitter at Monica Perez Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.